Hello, listeners. A quick update to this week's episode. The topic of this week's episode is Apple. One of the major points I make in this week's episode is Apple's need to move into services. And they must have been listening because at the end of March, they announced the Apple Plus TV service, which made headlines everywhere. I recorded this episode of SourceCast prior to the announcement, but the good news is most of the things that I said actually fall in line with the announcement and proves the point. I just want to provide that level of context so people understand that this episode was recorded before the Apple Plus announcement. Enjoy the episode. Hello, listeners. I'm going to take you back to January of 2019. Apple just released some earnings and some sales projections, and they weren't so great. There were some dips, and then everyone starts running around saying, Apple's over, this is the end of Apple, blah, blah, blah. During all of the commotion, I was planning to do a podcast about the topic. And I said to myself, wait, Joey, wait a few months, and let's see if this flavor of the week actually pans out to be something. And what did I discover? Is it the end of Apple, or is it just some hyped up media story to cover a couple of hours of news? I actually think it's somewhere in the middle. So this week, we're talking about Apple whether they'll survive, whether they're really having a problem, and what they can do to potentially resolve their issues. I'm Joey Lombardi, and this is SourceCast episode 139. So it's been a couple of episodes, and I don't know if anybody noticed that I changed the music. In case you're wondering, I didn't get in trouble. The old theme music was totally Creative Commons and totally free to use. I'm just getting to the point that if I'm doing a 10 to 15 minute podcast, do you really need to hear 30 seconds of theme music? I didn't think so. So let's get to Apple. January 2019, Forbes publishes an article, The End of Apple, by Stephen McBride. What would even prompt such a headline for one of the most dominant companies in history, one of the first companies to achieve a trillion dollars in value? How could anyone possibly publish a headline that says Apple is over? In the article, McBride states, Since the iPhone debuted in 2007, the company's sales have jumped tenfold. The stock soared over 700%. But all of the negativity came because in January, Apple issued a rare warning to stock investors. And for the first time since 2002, the company had slashed its earnings forecast. And because of that, the stock plunged 10%. From November to January, the Apple stock had dropped 35%, which erased $446 billion in shareholder value. So what was going on with Apple? What is going on with Apple? Basic economics, the law of supply and demand. In general, Apple's products are not cheap across the board. Laptops, iPhones, earbuds, watches, they're usually the most expensive gadget in that category. And generally, they're not the most powerful. They're not the highest level of CPU or the most RAM, but their user experience is very optimized to their software. That is their benefit. People are going to revolt at a certain price point. And as of right now, people can spend up to $1,500 on an iPhone between the XR, XS, or the XS Max. So now you have a situation where you have a range of $800 to $1,500 for a phone, depending on RAM and other configurations. And Apple is realizing that they've hit a saturation point. Nobody wants to spend $1,500 on a phone. This isn't rocket science. And I have to be honest, in the press as I'm reading about these articles, They're trying to attribute these issues to other things like China and a soft market and a soft dollar. They do allude to the fact that the price is high and sales have been dropping. Going back to the Forbes article, and I quote, Apple is selling fewer phones every year. iPhone sales peaked in 2015. 
Last year, Apple sold 14 million fewer phones than it did three years ago. But Apple is sort of covering up the fact that they're selling less phones by jacking up their prices. But it's cannibalizing the market. Going back to the quote, 20% of Apple's revenue comes from iPads and computers, and those segments are also apparently stagnant. That means that 86% of Apple's business is going nowhere. It's flat. Strategy.com's Ben Thompson starts to talk about Apple's quote-unquote China issue, which I mentioned earlier. In an article that he published in 2017, he states, Is the iPhone out of reach for the vast majority of customers? Yes. And again, he's talking about China. To continue the quote, But it will be aspirational, something you put on the table to show others that you can afford it. And to be clear, in China, there are a lot of people who can afford it. Saying stupid things like the iPhone C is the equivalent to the average monthly salary in China belies the fundamental misunderstanding of China, its inequality, and its sheer size specifically, and all of Asia broadly. Moreover, when you consider that a Mercedes is tens of thousands of dollars more than a Toyota, $300 more isn't that much. Ben Thompson is making the argument that Apple's brand is more powerful than the phone itself. It's the fact that people want to show off the fact that they can afford it. That isn't an element of the allure of the phone, especially in China. But, according to Ben Thompson, the fundamental issue is, unlike the rest of the world, in China, the most important layer of the smartphone stack is not the phone's operating system. It's WeChat. WeChat has 900 million Chinese users. That is almost three times the United States population. Every aspect of a typical Chinese person's life is a part of WeChat, is on WeChat. There is nothing comparable in the United States. WeChat is for messaging, reading news, hailing taxis, paying for lunch, and to access government resources. And let's not forget, because it's China, the government is accessing that information about you. And to tie this to a series of blog posts that I've been sharing on the website, sn.joeylombardi.com, we've been covering the social currency in China and the fact that they're using these applications to make social deviants and people who owe money to make their lives more difficult by restricting access to public transportation and even the ability to move in some cases. And so we're clear, WeChat is available on Apple's iOS. So for Chinese users, it's not like they're going to suffer if they go to an iPhone versus an Android phone. But the question becomes, for the average consumer in China, why would you pay more when you really just need access to the application? And you have a ton of companies that are based in China that are making really good phones, like Oppo, Vivo, and dare I say Huawei, who's on the US shit list right now. But for Chinese consumers, they're a big deal. China's important because China is an untapped market. They're emerging. They're clearly becoming a consumer market. In most cases, the U.S. economy is saturated for products. Yes, people will go out and buy new phones every three to four years, and that's slowing down, right? It's not every two years, it's every three to four. And the people who buy Apple are going to buy Apple, and the people who buy Android are going to buy Android, and there's maybe a 20% shift one way or the other. So in order for a company to grow and to expand profits, they have to tap into these other markets like India and China. And since Apple is not going with discounted brands, which would be appealing to India, they're targeting China. But China has infrastructure, and they have branding, and they have the government, and it's hard to tap into that market. So what's Apple going to do? Are they going to make a cheaper iPhone? I'm going to say yes. They're going to find a way to introduce a scaled-down, under $1,000 phone that's going to be quote-unquote premium. They're going to do that, because they kind of have to. But they have to introduce another vehicle to make profit. And that likely means that they are going to start providing more and more services. There are even some rumors that they're thinking about doing something like a phone as a service. So you basically lease or rent a phone from Apple, and then every couple of years you get a new one, and you're paying a monthly subscription for a phone. I don't even know if you want to call that innovative, because that's effectively what the phone companies did when they subsidized. And that's another point that I want to re-highlight. Another major issue here, not only for Apple, but for Samsung and other phone makers, 
is that the U.S. market has shifted from the phone companies like AT&T, like Verizon, like T-Mobile, subsidizing your cell phone purchases. They've shifted away from that, and the market shifted away from that for a variety of reasons, which makes owning a cell phone, especially a top-of-the-line cell phone, ever more expensive. Hence why services are more attractive. People think less about maybe spending money on Apple Music or an Apple TV streaming service or Apple's purchase of Texture, which is an online magazine subscription service. It's basically Netflix for magazines. And there's going to be more. Apple is likely going to take the $237 billion of cash that they're sitting on and buy more companies that provide services so they can grow out their services revenue. To summarize the situation, Apple's phones are too expensive. Sales are declining. Apple also makes a good product, so people are keeping their phones longer, which leads to sales declining. They also got caught slowing down phones, and they cited battery issues, but we know that's BS. Now that they fixed that, people are keeping their phones longer, sales are declining. There's a lot of news articles that are saying that Apple needs to come up with the next big gadget. They're the number one smartwatch maker, but there's not as many people purchasing smartwatches as they had potentially hoped for, or at least what analysts were hoping for. So now there's this pressure for Apple to come up with the next great big gadget. And there are some people that are saying the next great big gadget already happened. It's these smart speakers. And most analysts say that Apple's Siri is far behind intelligence and functionality than Google and Amazon. TheVerge.com reported in September that nearly 25% of all U.S. homes have a smart speaker device. And that's likely to grow as these things become more and more integrated into other gadgets in the house. So Apple is far behind on getting smart speakers out to the market, and their AI platform is not as good. The company has been making acquisitions to catch up, but so have Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. So it seems like there's an arms race for this AI smart speaker technology, and Apple is not winning. As I say that, for all of the hoopla that happened in January, all of the the demise of Apple, the king has lost its crown, all of the headlines, Apple's stock, as of March, it's recovered 22%. It's effectively at the same price that it was last March. But considering all of the gloom and doom, not that bad. So if it's not that bad, where do we go from here? Apple's going to buy some companies. They've been buying companies. They're very secretive or quiet about what they buy. They're going to roll out some major services. They're going to expand their Apple TV lineup. That thing's going to go live and they're going to keep expanding and creating content for that. Most people are saying that the initial offerings are kind of boring, but they'll figure it out. Apple's not going anywhere anytime soon. But it's because of Apple that Samsung phones are over $1,000 too. It's because of Apple that it's normal to spend over $1,000 for a thing that you put in your pocket and that you're expected to turn over every two years. That's not sustainable. And frankly, they're not introducing enough innovation to justify and warrant this. It's like when TV and movie companies were pushing 3D like it was the greatest thing in the world. Frankly, it sucked. It gives me a headache and I don't want to go anywhere near a 3D theater. So as these phone companies are introducing these folding phones... I think they're a terrible idea, or at least the way that they're being presented now. Maybe they will be awesome. I don't know. But I'm not going to spend $2,500 for a folding phone. Apple's a smart company. I've mentioned in previous podcasts that they have been quietly purchasing and setting up their entire supply chain for their phones and devices, so they don't experience shortages. To go a little bit deeper into that, things like their screens, their CPUs, they're making all of those things in-house or will be in the future. And it caused a variety of companies, their stocks to slide because they were previously providers to Apple and will eventually be cut out. Over the long term, Apple is going to reap the rewards of making those decisions, but in the short term, it will be more difficult. There will be hiccups in their supply chain, but if they're smart, they will leverage this information that's fairly public 
and use that as a citation to reduce their cost. If they're controlling 100% of their supply chain, there's no reason why they shouldn't at some point be able to justify dropping the prices of their devices. I don't think that was a part of their strategy initially, but it can be a part of their narrative moving forward. If my listeners are feeling social, those of you that use Apple products, drop me a line on Twitter at Joey Lombardi. Let me know your comfort level about spending $1,500 on a phone or $2,500. Is that a trend that you're comfortable to continue to ride upwards or do you expect it to go down? Let me know. And that's all we have for this week. You can find Swordcast on iTunes, Google Music, and all of your favorite podcasting applications. Sourcecast is recorded in Bucolic, Mandurah, New Jersey. And it's produced by my dad. The outro is performed by me, Ben Lombardi. And music is provided by Patrick Lee. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week.